0: we embark today on actual football talk, I want to pass along my own condolences to the Rooney family on the loss of Patricia, wife of the late Dan Rooney. Loved by everyone inside the organization, loved by so many around the city where she did great work, humanitarian work, human work in her own right, a big, big loss The Pittsburgh Steelers. Good morning to you. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is daily shot of Steelers. I do one of these every Monday through Friday morning, bright and early. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates as well. Today, I've been holding off on this one for a while, and I'm gonna drop it in your direction. And see where it goes. I'm not going to pretend that there's a definitive answer to the question I'm about to ask you. But I do think it's a question that's worth asking. And that's this. Do we overvalue the playoffs? I know. I know. (laughs) You know where I'm going to, right? Mike Tomlin has won three playoff games in the past ten years. Mike Tomlin has also been among the most successful regular season coaches in NFL history. And there are people who will reasonably, responsibly debate which is harder and even which is more significant. My feeling on the playoffs has always been that nothing matters more. I will hear people discuss a certain trade that happened where uh, let's say a team gets a veteran back and the veteran – goes on to help with a championship, but the young player or draft pick that was sent in the other direction ends up becoming some living legend and Hall of Famer, and I'll say every time it doesn't matter, because the player that you got helped you win a championship, and the championship is the ultimate goal, arguably the only goal, that any sports team should ever have. So I'm not losing my mind here when I bring this up. I get That a championship, that the Super Bowl, that getting to the Super Bowl is what matters, and it is the ultimate measuring stick. But, and this is where I'll come back hard on this, getting to the Super Bowl is the hardest part. And I'm not talking about winning a conference championship game. I'm not talking about winning a divisional round. I'm talking about... The entire process, the entire journey. You ask any coach or manager in any of the four major professional sports what's more challenging, success in the regular season or success in the playoffs. 100% of them will say success in the regular season because it involves Everything. It's a cumulative effect. It's all of your practices, all of your philosophies, all of your discipline, all of your instructional techniques, all of your enthusiasm, your energy, your passion that you have to show year-round, getting up at sunrise, going home at sundown, maybe if you're lucky. All of that goes into building something that succeeds year after year after year. And to the people who are involved, to the people who do these things, I'm not one of them, but I talk with them all the time and have for a very long time. The playoffs, by comparison, feel like something that just, boom, just shows up one day at your door. And you got to deal with it. And it's uh, another game and it wasn't necessarily on your schedule, meaning you didn't know who you were going to play. It's just there. And you're reacting to it. And it's a small piece in their eyes of the bigger thing. Again, it's way more important, the games, the outcomes, obviously. But what I'm talking about here is the coaching or the managing of these teams and where the value lies between regular season and playoffs. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our new partners at FuboTV. If you're paying around $200 a month for cable, as most of us do, FuboTV is $65 a month to watch all the same channels with an emphasis on sports. And now including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh, meaning you can watch all the Penguins games, all the Pirates games, and you've basically lost all your excuses to hang on to cable. For our listeners only, go to FuboTV.com slash DK to get 15% off your first month. One more time, FuboTV.com slash DK, 15% off your first month. In addition to winning only three playoff games in the last 10 years, Mike Tomlin has had some terrible playoff losses. No one wants me to bring up Tim Tebow here, so wait, I just did. Ha 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 Okay, there was Tebow, there also was Jacksonville, and now there's Cleveland. Now there's falling behind to the bleeping Browns, 28 to nothing in the first quarter. Which felt even worse than getting gashed up the middle by Leonard Fournette and the Jaguars and not being able to contain Blake Bortles and the unstoppable play-action passes that he was throwing that afternoon at Heinz Field. Both of those were bad. Tebow was bad. Other losses were bad. Some of their playoff wins, the playoff wins that Tomlin has gotten, all three of them, were bad. Came against teams that were missing their quarterbacks or had none. So the playoff history over the past decade is, to beat this term into the ground, bad. But... In that same time span, Mike Tomlin had the Steelers sufficiently prepared and aligned to either qualify for the playoffs or to compete for a playoff spot within reason every year other than the one in which Ben Roethlisberger was hurt. And wait, I take that back too because even that year they almost sneaked in. And that's the hardest part. So what do you value? What do you value if you're Art Rooney? If you're any owner or GM or whoever makes the decision related to a head coach or a manager in professional sports, what do you base it on? You hear a lot of, yeah, the guy always gets there, but he can't win the big one. Those of you who are Pitt fans will know what I'm talking about as soon as I bring up Dave Wanstead, football coach, Jamie Dixon, basketball coach. All these guys did was put the Pitt Panthers into position to be right there every year. And Jamie had the basketball team at unprecedented heights, number one in the country at one point. They were packing the Peterson Events Center 100, 150 or something like that, consecutive sellouts at that place, 13,000-plus. Unprecedented heights. And you kept hearing from people, yeah, but he gags in the big one. You heard it about Wanstedt whenever they'd get to the bowl game or whenever they'd get to really critical games in conference that could have made a difference in the rankings. And you heard it about Jamie every year with the NCAA tournament. In fact, if he hadn't won the Big East tournament the one year, you would have heard it about the conference tournaments as well. And what's happened since those guys were gone? What's happened? Yeah, that's usually what happens. Everyone gets so upset over knocking at the door and knocking at the door and knocking at the door and being disappointed that they forget that sometimes the alternative is not knocking on the door at all. And that's actually what happens in most places. It's what happens to most franchises in the NFL. And you know who else it happened to? One William Laird Cower, who might have been the biggest loser of big games the city has ever seen. All he would do is get the Steelers atop the division and rolling through the regular season and into the playoffs and everything and he had the jaw out and he was mad at the punter and we all loved him and he spoke like us and talked like us and walked like us and everything else and we thought he was great. And then he would get to the conference championship game and run into Stan Humphreys at Three Rivers Stadium and Alfred Papunu in one of the greatest upsets in football lore when San Diego beat the Steelers at Three Rivers. Disgusting game. I was there. Disgusting outcome. And the Roonies didn't quit on Cower. They valued that he did everything right to get the teams to that point, and they saw the playoffs the way most people inside sports see playoffs. And that is that they're just a roll of the dice for the most part. Not entirely, but for the most part, they're such a small sample size. Truly great players can go completely dark in the playoffs. Why? Small sample size it happens. Lousy players, talent-free players, can become heroic in the playoffs. And everybody talks and they sing about them and they'll you know, write poetry about them. And then when the next season starts, those players just end up being exactly what they were before. The Roonies hung on to Bill Cower. And Bill Cower had that one run, he and Jerome Bettis and young Ben Roethlisberger, that ended up in Detroit with Cower and the bus and everybody else getting showered. He eventually knocked on the door often enough that he got through. Years later, we saw the same thing with Andy Reid. Andy Reid was the big gag guy. All he does is lose in big games. It doesn't matter if Andy Reid's team is 18-0. and 0, They're about to blow it. Eventually, he just got a good enough team and a good enough roll of the dice health-wise and everything else that the Chiefs had a chance. And now again, they have another chance. It's just something to think about here. It's not all defined by isolating on a handful of games over the course of a decade. That's all I'm saying here. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question. If you'd like to submit one, you can do that by visiting DK Pittsburgh Sports. Find the article that accompanies this podcast and leave it right there in comments underneath. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, who filed for medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. This question comes from Steelers World who asks, Hey DK, just wondering in your opinion, what position do you see the Steelers addressing in the first round of the draft? I'll begin by saying that I hope that it is not running back. I know there are already people that are all fired up about Najee Harris, and I I get it. I've seen him. And, yes, he'd be a fine fit for this offense, to say the least. Provided, of course, there's better run blocking and everything else. But first-round running backs had better be of a Saquon barkley Derrick Henry level. I, I don't... I don't want to see the Steelers coming close to reaching in the first round for a running back. I don't need to remind anyone who's listening to this show that they got Le'Veon Bell in the second round after other running backs were taken. Lev wasn't even the first back taken. They just did well. They did their homework, and they found a running back who fits their profile, who fit their offensive line, and who complemented Ben Roethlisberger as well as an elite pass catcher out of the backfield. That's the kind of draft pick that I want to see going into a running back. Would a running back in the first round get all the headlines and have everybody happy? Yeah, but that's not what this is all about. If it were up to the fans and probably a lot of us, in my line of work, no team would ever take an offensive lineman, for example, in the first round. You know what I'm saying? I I remember when David DiCastro was drafted. That was a that was a heck of a public reaction right there, because it was like seriously, a guard, interior offensive line, like, and we had a party for this with nachos. The Steelers are going to do in all likelihood, their diligence on all positions as it relates to best available player. Even if they don't actually take best available player, even if they draft by position. And a lot of times, they'll mouth one and do the other. And you know what I'm talking about because you've seen it. Especially uh, when it came to uh, inside linebackers in recent years where they knew they knew they needed this position and they were going to find a way to address this position and then eventually became so tired of having to address this position that they traded up to get Devin Bush. In this draft, I think you're going to see the Steelers be open-minded to more positions than what most people will be discussing. I think you'll see the Steelers be open-minded to a defensive lineman, for example, that won't really be of all that much use in 2021 because you'll still have Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, Tyson Alulu. Of course, those guys did wear down as the season went along, so you could argue that, yeah, maybe they actually will get some use out of him. But you see what I'm saying. From an impact starting standpoint, that's not going to be there. You could see the Steelers take a wide receiver just because the wide receivers that are coming out of college right now are just – Spectacular athletes, and in the modern NFL, they have such an impact on the game. I don't need to remind anybody that Chase Claypool was the 11th wide receiver taken in the draft last summer in what was supposed to be a class that ran 10 deep in elite wide receivers. He was the 11th. Number 11 was the 11th. And he ended up pretty okay, huh? Of course, the maximum sexiness that they could attach to any pick would be if it's a quarterback, meaning the first round. Actually, any round, but really the first round. Because now all of a sudden that player is going to get anointed as the successor to Ben, and we're going to put him under the microscope and everything else and talk about what this means for Ben, what it means for Mason Rudolph, what it means even for Dwayne Haskins and everything else. I just wouldn't be surprised... And this is my answer to you, if it ends up being something that is not all that earth-shattering in terms of public impact. I think you're going to see the Steelers continue to try to fortify and stay with that defense. Look, they teach betters not to bet against streaks. And where have almost all of the Steelers' high draft picks gone in recent years? Yeah. Just look on that side of the ball. Go right across the starting lineup and even deeper into the depth chart, and you'll see nothing but high draft picks on the defensive side of the football. I would never, ever assume that the Steelers are going to take an offensive guy in the first round. I don't start with that as the default. I really don't. And even if Marquise Pouncey retires, I don't think you're going to see them jump at a center because it's not a great class for centers. So... Be prepared to not be blown away, at least on the day that it happens. That's the best answer that I can give you. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening. This is fun doing these shows, and I'm glad to have you along. If you like what you're hearing, leave a review. I'm told those have a really, really big impact. Uh, Leave a review and uh, spread the word. We'll do this again tomorrow.